This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, so today, thinking about that question, like, what are we going to do with our one wild and beautiful life? And seeing that in the context of Martin Luther King. See it in the context of what we can do, what choices we can make. And how do we know when we're making the right choices? Well, I think if I was to be so bold, it would be to say we know it because it feels a little uncomfortable, a little disquieting, a little anxious, but also true. And also a, a, the deeper knowledge that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm called. This is what I'm supposed to do in God's plan. And Martin Luther King talked about that a lot. He talked about it in arguably his most famous sermon, which was a sermon called The Drum Major Instinct. How many of us want to be that guy? Right? Like, I would look wonderful in a hat like that. You got to love it. 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 Because that's what we want to do. We want to be the drum major. We want to be large and in charge. And if you're like me, you, you go back and forth. We either want to be large and in charge or please, Lord, let me be invisible. How many of us struggle with that too? Right? We go back and forth and back and forth. And Martin Luther King in this sermon, the drum major instinct reminds us of a deeper call, a settling call. Nothing wrong with being a drum major. We need them. Nothing wrong with being part of the band. We need that too. But what is the deeper call in all of it? I was listening yesterday to a wonderful show on NPR, and it was talking to a young man. I'm actually going to flip over here to tell this story. And it was talking to a young man who just wrote a book. And he's talking about his life path and how he was born. And this was interesting. He was born with a mother who was 100% Native American and a father who was a Holocaust survivor, who was Jewish and a Holocaust survivor. And, of course, he made some little jokes about it. His last name was Bernstein, and he says said his one buddy, and he said his buddy has a really good sense of humor, and he said, I didn't take this offensively. It made me laugh. They, they called him Running Bernstein. <laughs> you got to love that. And, and, you know, talking to this guy, it's interesting, because, like, think of those two different perspectives. He asked his dad once, like, Dad, you know, America, there's all these problems. And his dad said, America saved my life, son. America saved my life. And then, of course, he's this other side, his mother, who actually goes on to become the first Native American judge in the United, in United States history. Her take was different, obviously. So how did that work? And he said, this is how it worked. Both of them were committed to this, to this question. How do we make things better? How do we make things better? Is that a good question? That's a great question. How do we make things better? I'm going to step back over here. How do we make things better? How do we find our place in the world? And I think that is what the sermon Drum Major Instinct talks about. So I want to read parts of the story to you, some beautiful parts of the story from Mark chapter 10 that, that talk about like the Drum Major Instinct and what this all can mean and how it works. So the way this, the way this story gets set up is there's, there's two of the disciples. Jesus, for those of you who don't know, had 12 sort of followers. And I, I heard a funny joke on, I was watching a video and it was, it was well done. He said, a lot of us worry we don't have enough followers on Facebook. Jesus only have 12. You're good with whatever number you got. 
So he had 12 people who followed him, and he had, he had a number of them. I mean, the joy of it, folks, is that these are just regular Joe Bag of Donuts people. They're nothing spectacular. They are not saints. I mean, that's what makes the story so good, is that they're, they're constantly doing the things that we would do. They're constantly debating, arguing, worrying, wondering about, wondering about rank, all those things. So I want to read the story to you, and then I want to go back through and just offer a little commentary. Then James and John came to Jesus saying, Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Look at that line. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. There's an endearing line. It tells you right where they're coming from. Like, like they, have, they have elevated themselves so much that now Jesus is their servant. We just need you to do, do a few favors for us out there. What do you want me to do for you? He replied. And again, I, I see Jesus doing that with a smile. What do you want me to do for you? Tell me. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Take a look at those words. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So they wanted to be the right-hand man and the left-hand man. They wanted elevated up to be kings just like Jesus. They wanted to be the drum majors. That's the way they saw the role. That's how they thought that they could best serve, or at least their egos thought they could best serve there. You don't know what you're asking. And again, I, I, think, I think you have Jesus. You have to see him with a smile ask this. You don't know what you're asking. Can you really drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And of course, what do they answer? Of course, we can do this. No problem. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit on my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten, in other words, the other ten heard this, they became indignant, jealous, with James and John, angry at them. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Where's well, a twist of plot. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. Even the Son of Man, the Son of Humanity, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life for a ransom of many. Credibly beautiful lines there. Now, if we think about sitting on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus, like what they wanted, they really saw themselves kind of as lone wolf leaders. Like if it was a picture, it'd be like this. You know, I'll be out front and everybody will follow me. Are there costs to that kind of leadership, folks? Yeah, there are deep costs to that kind of leadership. It, it, it looks good. It, it feels good. The whole drum major instinct feels really good. But as I have certainly experienced, and I imagine some of you do as well, a lot of the time we take that position way out front and we look behind and there's no band. There's no band. It's just us caught in our little world of greatness. And I think that's where Jesus very gently then goes on to kind of, kind of talk to them about, like, well, what is this really all about? And that's this line here. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at the right or the left is not for me to grant. 
These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. For whom they have been prepared. Now, for years, I read that line kind of as scolding. Like, here's Jesus going, no way, you cannot do that. You're not ready. It's none of that. I think this is him saying, like, look, we all have a certain place in this world. Our job is to, when we find that place, to be brave enough, to be courageous enough, to be creative enough, to step into it. I think we'll know the place it's prepared for us because because the threshold of that is a lot of discomfort, is a lot of challenge, is a lot of angst and anxiety and worry and concern. You know, there's so many stories as a history teacher for me reading through Martin Luther King and just reading it over and over again and reading his ideas and his thoughts and seeing pictures of it. And it continues to amaze me about how clear he was and what his spot was. What are you going to do with your one wild and beautiful life? What are you willing to give your life for? And that idea of of stepping into that, deeply challenging. I mean, there's just parts. I could tell stories and stories and stories. But yesterday, or Friday, I shared over at the college, you know, it's a picture we've used here at New Church Live, and it's, it's of a whole group of civil rights marchers coming over the Pettus Bridge, and here's Bull O'Connor and, and his police force, and they've said, you may not cross. And if you do, we will use all force necessary to turn you back. And it's this beautiful moment as this group comes across, and this group stands here and says, you will not pass any further. And right in that space, there's an incredible beauty, an incredible power. A space where I think Martin Luther King said, yeah, that's the space prepared for us, talking about the civil rights movement, to step into it. And it's it's fascinating to watch. You know, I was talking to the students just watching the body language, and, and everybody at the front of this line of civil rights marchers has put their hands in their pockets. Has put their hands in their pockets. It's stunning. Because facing them are people not with their hands in their pockets, but people with billy clubs and dogs and horses. And the place prepared for them, the place they have chosen to step into, they're doing it like this. I certainly can think of several other things I would be doing with my hands. It really is a miracle. That's not by accident. That was on purpose. And the power of lives lived into the place prepared for them echoes to this day. Now Jesus talks to the two and he says, look, there's a place prepared. Your job is to find your place. And then the other 10 always are, they're they're complaining about like, oh, you know, those two, there they go again and blah, 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 blah. And, And then there's these other 10 and Jesus talks to them and this is what he says. They, the other 10, became indignant with James and John. So Jesus calls them together. And these are just beautiful lines. If I had a camera, if I had my phone out, I would tell you, take a picture of these. 
Whoever wants to become great among you must be, please say the S word there, must be your, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, the Son of Humanity. And don't let that line just like fall off really quickly. Like Christ there saying, He's not, He's saying, I am the Son of Humanity. I am your Son, is what He's saying there. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to, please say those three words, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now, now if we think that, you know, as, as we hold it in new church, we hold it that, that, that Christ is here to show us the way towards transformative love. So it's a model we're to follow. So when it says in there, yeah, and to give his life, that's his way of saying, and I'm going to ask you to give your life too. And I'm not talking about giving your life here, you know, in a way that is, is like storming of the beaches on Normandy. Though there's nothing, you know, there, there is incredible heroism in there. Most of us will probably never be called to that. But I think this. I think we're all called to give our life. I think we're all called to give our life. I think we're all called to take this, this bundle of some of us have shorter time, some of us have longer time, we're asked to take whatever time we have on this planet and we're asked to give it fully as an offering to God and to others. How do we do that fully and completely? That's more than just beyond what do I want to do, but what do I want to give my life to? What do I want to give my life to? Now, as the band comes out, I want you to think about that. What do I want to give my life to? And I want you to think about it with a smile. I don't think it's like a heavy question. It should be a question where you find the freedom. The freedom that comes from love. Yes, the sacrifice, the challenge, the discomfort. But the freedom that grows out of love. As again, we come back to that concept. of What are we going to do? In the name in the name of that love. And what are we going to do in the name of God? Well, I tell you, I absolutely love that song. What a, what a beautiful song, what a beautiful sentiment underneath it, because you can kind of hear it, right? You can, you can hear this in the name of love, and you can hear the gravitas of it. That in the name of love is not in the name of comfort or ease or simplicity. The name of love is actually something deeply sacrificial and, and something that moves us beyond what our images of greatness are to different images of greatness. Moving us into these different images. Moving us from this image to this image. Two different ways of kind of seeing greatness. And it doesn't mean we don't need leaders or we don't need people to have a voice. Like, did Martin Luther King have a voice, yes or no? Yes! He had a, could we say that one more time? Did Martin Luther King have a voice? Yes. yes! And you have a voice too. You have a place prepared for you that the world is asking you to step into. In the name of love and in the name of God.
The trick, of course, becomes this, is, is we struggle with identity. This is from Henry Nouwen, what he called the five lies of identity. And it's a beautiful list. Look at these five lies here. I am what I have. I get that. I am what I do. I mean, one of the most powerful experiences I had was doing a retreat where you couldn't tell anybody what you did for a week. Like, try that at home. That's good, because that moves us beyond I am what I do. I am what people think or say about me. Do you think that one's gotten a little worse with social media? You know, that's a challenge. And these last two, I think, are brilliant as now and captures them. I am nothing more than my worst moment. So for a lot of us, we, 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 we pull ourselves down to our worst moment, our, our moment of like, boy, I totally blew that. And we don't believe our lives can ever be more than that worst moment. We got to be careful with that. Can I go on a tangent for 30 seconds? I'm just throwing this out there. Was sad on two accounts, seeing social media and seeing this young man who like confronts the Native American veteran, right? A young, I think he's like 16 years old or something. He's confronting him and, and just with some ugly stuff, ugly stuff. It's went viral, like over 3 million views as of yesterday. The school trip he was on, the school's gotten so much pushback that they actually took down all their, all their website, their social media, the whole thing. So I'm sad about that. And I'm also sad about this. How many of us did something really dumb when we were 16? You better all have your hands up. All right. All of us have done stupid things as teenagers. I worked with teenagers forever. And I, and I know that for a lot of teenagers, like asking young people, asking, well, why did you do that? What were you thinking? And they literally would say, I don't know, I wasn't thinking. And they were being honest. They weren't actually thinking in that moment. How many of you would like 3 million people to view your worst moment as a 16-year-old? And if any of you have your hands up, you're in trouble. You see... That young man, we're putting him in a place where he can never be better than his worst moment. I'm not offering that to justify what he did. I'm offering that to say we have to be very, very leery of falling in love with outrage. Because it hurts people. It doesn't necessarily let them come back. All right, 30 seconds over. And the last one, this is a good one too. I am nothing less than my best moment. So, you know, we can hold our moment, our life like, oh yeah, this was the sort of the, the peak moment for me. And actually, nothing bad ever happened since then. Is that true? No. It's, it's that idea that, that life is always this mix. And our, our identity, if, if our identity pulls itself out of the fact that we're all a mixed bag, saint and sinner, if, if we pull our lives out of that, we're actually not being true to our identity and to who we actually really are. Which can then get right back into the drum major instinct and all those other pieces that can get us off track. So what we have to do is, is we have to find ways together to kind of redefine and, and find new and wonderful identities and that comes down to how he redefined greatness here. So I'm going to be running around in the audience. And if you'd like to read one of these lines, I'm going to pass you the microphone and just let you read it. 
Because I want you to hear this voice and I want you to hear it as a woven voice, as a bunch of voices talking about what's actually great. So whoever would like to read the first line, please raise your hand. It means that everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Amen. Who wants to read the second line? Second line, second line. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. Again, this is Martin Luther King's words here. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. (laughs) That's a great line. Okay, you don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. Good, and I realize there's some people right now going like, whew, I don't know who Plato and Aristotle are. (laughs) All right, another one. Another one. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. I like that shirt. (laughs) Martin Luther King's shirt. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. All right. I love that last, that last set of five words. Just read it one more time. And you can be that servant. And you can be that servant. Please give everybody a round of applause. Oh. Hey, bad. You don't have to get them all right to serve. Here we go. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. Does anybody know the second theory of thermodynamics? There's one person who knows it. All right. All right. After making that mistake. <laughs> so, you know, you got you to love these lines, right? Greatness. What a different kind of definition. You see, and he's saying you don't have to be the drum major. That's what he's saying. Doesn't matter how smart you are, how this, how that, just just serve. Because of this. Because that's the place prepared for you. And isn't it interesting that Jesus said, you know, I go to prepare a place for you. I mean, I think that's what God does, is God kind of prepares this place and And our job is to, as best we can, to step into it. So what then is our identity, brothers and sisters? Our identity is this. We are souls generated by love. We are on this journey together. We are here to serve. Confident we can throw a pebble in the pond and that its ever-widening circle will reach around the world. That's from Mary Oliver. That idea of just a little pebble in the pond, but that little piece actually creates ripples that go far beyond the diameter of that little tiny stone. Faith is when we believe that. Courage is when we do that. 
We do it one of two ways. Again, like I think we carry it forward. We carry this forward in the name of love, not in the name of our own ego or our own desire to be the drum major or wear that funny hat. But we have to do that in the name of love. We also have to carry it forward in the name of God. So with that, please welcome John Carr, who's going to be coming up here to speak to that for a brief minute. Please welcome him to the stage, folks. So John's just going to speak for a minute about like that commandment, right? That commandment, do not take the name of your Lord God in vain. It goes back to the Old Testament, thousands of years, 2,000, you know, several thousand years before Christ was even born. John. All right. How's it going? So I guess it's difficult to imagine um, how we're supposed to carry the name of the Lord. And... My girlfriend, she actually taught me this. She's very reverent, young woman, and been together about a year. And it was kind of hard for me to imagine how much it would hurt someone when you take the name of the Lord in vain and how that actually, how that actually hurts. But she taught me that, and it's been a little bit, but I've been doing pretty well, I think. But I really learned that she's someone who carries the name of the Lord and carries it forward, not in vain, but reverently. And that's something that it's very hard to learn on your own. You have to have an example, as you know, Martin Luther King gave us the example. Um, so yeah, imagine a world where we can carry the name of the Lord. And it's interesting, right? Because we look at that commandment, do not take the name of your Lord God in vain. And I love what John said there about like, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a part of that that's just literally the language. Like, don't use the name in vain. But, but then there's another part. It's, it's interesting, like the Hebrew there, to take. Ready for this? This is super cool. This is so cool, I want you to take a breath so you really hear it. It means to carry. Just as John said. It means to carry means literally we're to take God's name and we're to carry it. Not carry it in vain, like I think kind of something stuck in our back pocket, but to literally carry it with purpose. What are we going to do in the name of love? Is really the exact same question is, what are we going to do in the name of God? And if we lose sight of that, that's where religion can actually become an incredibly destructive part of the world, can, can really create a, a lot of challenges. Because churches always have to be doing this. And, and as churches, folks, it's, it's not just about like, how do I carry that forward? How do I carry in the name of love forward? How do I move forward in the name of God? How do I do these things? Like, how do I serve? But church, I think, is largely about this. How do we support each other in that journey? Think about that. How does this community support each other in that journey reaching out there into the world? That's pretty beautiful. It's pretty cool. If you've been around New Church Live a while, you've seen it, no doubt. So I want to give us a chance as well to just hear from each other for a minute. 
like in terms of what I want to give my life to. I want to give my life to this, or I want to give my life to that. You know, I'd love for you just to just to have a few volunteers. I'll be around with the microphone again who'd like to raise their hand and say, yeah, I, I really have felt sort of a call to give my life to this particular thing. Because I think it's valuable. I think it's a place of sorts prepared for me. Something I feel called to do in the name of love and in God's name as well. All right, so just need a couple of people who are willing to raise their hands. I want you just to hear this to get you thinking. Thank you, Claire. I love to give compliments to people because it gives them joy. Yeah, just that simple idea of complimenting. What's another one someone wants to thinking about? Like they'd love to say out loud they want to do in the name of love. Not in the name of silence. In the name of love. Where's your point? I'd like to help people when I can and how I can. It's very simple. Very simple. When I can. And, and if you combine that, folks, with the idea that God already has you in the worlds that you are to heal, that's incredibly powerful. All right, one more. Oh, there we go. Thank you, I like to cook for people and bake for people. Oh, that's so good. Cooking and baking. It, it, is, it is interesting, and I say this a lot, but that in the name of love, like that part, cooking and baking. By the way, you can be my best friend with those two. That idea of cooking and baking, again, I, I think it's no accident. We say it in here a lot. That's why Holy Supper, <laughs> communion, is, isn't it fascinating, right, that that is kind of considered the most sacred ritual in many Christian denominations, including this one? And it's not sacred because it's way out there holy. It's sacred because it's ordinary about that. I mean, I, I've preached on that a number of times, so I'm sorry bringing it up again, but I'm really not sorry because I think it's a pretty cool, I think it's a pretty cool point. We're called to the ordinary. I want to close with this. Martin Luther King. The way we honor that legacy, an incredible legacy, it's understanding, again, that, that it's a Christian legacy. It's not to disparage other religions. He used this book as a way to make changes in the world that have echoes to today. What's that step going to be for you? What are you going to do with your one wild and beautiful life? You'll know that place. Because yes, it will feel like discomfort. It'll feel challenging. It'll feel hard. You'll feel doubts. The head bullies will be telling you, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? But you'll also know it. And this is beautiful. Because it will feel like home. Because it will feel like home. Happy Martin Luther King Day.
We're going to close today's service with the college band coming out, leading us in a song. Stand by me. They do a beautiful rendition of it. You're welcome to sing along with it. I hope you sing along with it. And as they come out and get set up and we get a little music ready for noodling underneath the prayer, I'm going to offer a prayer. During that prayer, you'll have time to say your own prayer, the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to simply have a moment of quiet reflection as we get ready for Stand By Me. So please join me. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, help us to understand that idea. In the name of love and doing things in your name, seeing those two coming together. Help us, Lord, to imagine a world, as John talked about, to imagine a world where, yes, at a very physical level, we don't take your name in vain. But instead, we learn to carry your name with purpose. Carrying it forward in the world, not as weaponized religion, but as hands open to service. Minds and hearts that have moved away from the drum major instinct. Minds and hearts that know deeply, authentically, that all can be great. Because all can serve in ways from compliments to food to connection. That we all can do it. We're all called there. That is our place. That is our home. That is heaven. Thank you, Lord. As always, finally for this. That we get to support each other in that endeavor. These beautiful bracelets, Lord, made by a wonderful family. Bracelets of bands woven together. Let those be a reminder to us the weaving that is life, the weaving that is church, the weaving that is community and family. Allow that fabric to hold us, Lord. Call us forward. Stir our hearts deeply with love, reminding us forever to stand together. Amen. listening you can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv 